Name them. Well, Name what you em. did was ridiculous. Name them. Uh, not having. Name uh, well, be quiet. So Name let em. me talk, Jesus. Welcome back to Bravo Breaking News with Kim and Lisa. Kim, I don't know about you, but I am still on a high from BravoCon, and this week's Real Housewives of Beverly Hills delivered even more amazing moments. And guess what? We're going to name them. Name them is the new Mention It All, and I am so excited to dive into this episode and hear all of your hot takes, Lisa. Buckle up like you are Garcelle on a gondola, because it's going to get bumpy. It sure is. But before we get into it, make sure you guys are subscribed so you don't miss any Bravo breaking news. So we pick up in Vegas, of course, and we kind of are seeing the aftermath of that awkward conversation between Garcelle and Dorit, and the ladies are kind of all like splitting off, getting ready for lunch. But we do get this moment where Dorit is FaceTiming PK and Kyle is FaceTiming Mo. And we learn that PK and Mo had gone to dinner the night before, sans the ladies, and kind of bonded over their marriage challenges. Now, I don't know about you, but I wanted to see more of this dinner. I want to see what Mao and PK are talking about because their relationships are so much in the spotlight right now. I'd like to hear a little bit from their perspective, because right now we're only hearing it from Dorit and Kyle's perspective. So I don't know about you, but I would have given anything to be a fly on the wall at that dinner. Yeah, for sure. And you know, if they were in Jersey, they would have, you know, given us more of that. But I, I, I'm with you. Yeah. So basically, we get all of the ladies splitting off. Garcelle and Dorit want nothing to do with each other at this moment. So we have Garcelle and Sutton going to the gondola. We have Crystal and Erica going to lunch, which is kind of an odd couple. And then we have Dorit and Kyle going to lunch. And we learn more, even more about the marriage challenges there. Okay, so let's focus in on the Dorit and Kyle because I feel like that's where we got the most juice. Kyle, you know, is not ordering a drink. And Dorit kind of brings it up and says, you know, I know that sometimes I make comments, but like... I feel like this is probably good for you. Do you want to talk about it? And Kyle basically says she is not drinking because she needs to be really clear. Like she needs to be in a clear headspace right now. And I think looking back on it, we know what she's talking about. She's questioning her marriage. And so she doesn't want her judgment clouded by alcohol when it comes to that. And then they see we see Sutton's confessional where she's saying, Kyle's working out a lot. She gives up drinking. She's got five tattoos. Let's call it what it is. It's a midlife crisis. And maybe it is. You know, she is reached a point where her kids are basically grown up and she's not, you know, she has more independence and more freedom or she seems to want more freedom. And so she's exploring these kind of new thoughts and new interests that she has. And honestly, I don't understand why all these ladies are kind of caught up on Kyle not drinking. Yeah, first of all, I feel like midlife crisis like usually has like a negative connotation. You know what I mean? Like men like start to cheat and go off the rails and people are like blowing up their lives. But it seems like Kyle is only bettering herself by doing so true things. So I don't think that Sutton's like midlife crisis explanation really has legs. But I don't get it either. I don't understand why the ladies are so upset with Kyle for stopping drinking. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. We have a lot of housewives that are sober. They don't drink. I don't think it needs to become a storyline. This is Kyle's, you know, decision to 
cut back on drinking or stop drinking entirely, then so be it. I don't think that the ladies really should have anything to say about it. But Kyle kind of opens up at this lunch a little bit more about her relationship with Mauricio. And again, I feel like, you know, we were all shocked when the news came out about Kyle and Mauricio's separation that day. I remember you texted me and it was just like I had a total pit. But this season is basically all about their marriage troubles. So mm-hmm. it it's not coming as a surprise to anybody who was filming this season of Beverly Hills. But, you know, she kind of talks about how she was expecting more from Mauricio um, be, because of what she was going through. And is she talking about her family issues with Kathy here? Did you think that's what she I was thinking? She must be. Yeah, I think she must be. Because even Dorit said that was a traumatic thing that Kyle went through. Basically, kind of the fallout of her relationship with Kathy. And I think that took several months to get back on track. And it seemed like Mo just kind of wasn't there for her in the way that she expected him to be. Yeah. And then she kind of goes into how, you know, Mauricio's a salesman. His work requires him to go out and socialize and stuff. And especially since she's not drinking, she doesn't really want to do that stuff anymore. It definitely seems like they are on separate pages or kind Mm -hmm. of going in different directions because, you know, they're getting older and it almost seems like Mauricio's career is just beginning. It's, Mm -hmm. I mean, not just beginning, but it's kind of reaching its peak and he wants it to make it go even higher. Whereas she kind of wants to maybe slow down a little bit. She's been doing housewives for 13 years at this point. She's tired. Let's be real. She's (laughs) tired. She wants to stay at home and read a book and not go out and party. And Dorit sees this and she's like, you know, do you ever worry about the future? And Kyle basically breaks down kind of like how she did on the BravoCon stage. You know, she's not happy in her marriage. She's just, like I said, working on herself while Mauricio is just working. Yeah. Yeah. It's you can definitely tell that they're hitting on on a sensitive note here. Um, Okay, so then we're we're all getting ready for dinner and we hear about everyone's day. Garcelle says that they had lunch with Oliver and she talks about Raquel and the Oliver kiss and we get this crossover moment. Um, Oliver, you know, again says, you know, I I was separated. I feel like I shouldn't have to defend myself because there was a lot of fallout after that. And it was only one little piece of the puzzle that was, you know, last year, this year's VPR and the scandal of it all. So they're going to a country bar. They're all getting their country outfits on. And let's 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 be real here. Kyle is never going to miss an opportunity to one, wear a hat, specifically a cowboy hat, and two, mention Kibosabi. She has this diamond encrusted hat that apparently cost six thousand dollars. And it's just like, oh, my God, she must have an entire closet full of these hats. It was amazing. I love seeing them all get ready. I loved kind of the Western wear. I was digging the vibes. But then we see the ladies kind of on their way to dinner. And where do they go? The Delano, which we're very familiar with, if you guys didn't know. Because in Vegas, that is where a lot of the Bravo celebrities stayed. We were at that lobby bar We were seeing them. We had our, you know, sightseeing glasses on. We saw all of the Bravo Leps at the Delano. So the fact that they were walking through the lobby bar, walking through the halls that we just walked in, you know, a week and a half ago, 
brought me so much joy. It was like it was like being back in our old stomping grounds. I feel like we spent half the weekend there when we weren't at the Caesars Forum convention. We were at the Delano, <laughs> either at the Skyfall bar at the top where that restaurant is or in the lobby. And then they walk into Skyfall, the rooftop bar at the Delano, which you guys have to check out. But it was just amazing that they went to all of the places that we were just at. And now it makes sense that that's where Bravo held all of their parties. I mean, there must Uh be some sort of partnership there or relationship there. But I loved it. But I do just want to go back to Oliver and Raquel for a minute because I feel like that was just included merely for shock factor. It had nothing to do with the storyline. It was like a two-second clip, and Garcelle talked about it in a confessional for like two seconds. But I think the Bravo producers just had to throw that in there, you know, to reference back to Raquel, just for our, you know, just for our sake, the viewer's sake. Yes, just for our entertainment pleasure. So we get to dinner, and... We see Dorit order her drink several times this episode. You know, I think the camera crew and production like focuses in on Dorit when she's ordering her drinks, but she didn't order it with the carcass out. I want to know like how the lemons are coming. Are they coming on the side? Are they coming in the drink? How did you think that they were going to arrive if she didn't purposely request carcass out? I don't know. And this was fascinating to me because is Dorit just becoming a little more chill like she doesn't have glam on this trip i know you know there we have a theory that it's maybe because she's trying to cut back on finances or on expenses but now she's not ordering carcass out we've still got the short glass we've still got three lemons but it's like we're missing that last step and i'm just wondering is it is she just kind of entering her i don't give a fuck era or is I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I'm kind of loving it. You know, if she can deal with carcass out, so can I. But Garcelle brings a game to the dinner table. I'm kind of over these like bringing card games to the dinner table. I don't know. It just feels forced. Like, why can't you just have like a regular conversation and ask questions? Why does it have to be like a card game? It just feels like they're forcing a conversation to be had that wasn't there. But they start, you know, talking about are humans meant for monogamy? You know, they Erica says this weird thing about how she wants to go after younger men when she's been married to like an old, basically dead guy for 20 plus years. So that was a little strange. And then they show this scene of Kyle where they have to put subtitles up, which I feel like, you know, they weren't focused on her, but it's almost like a hot mic moment. You know, the cameras weren't on her or focused on her, but they caught the audio. So they had to kind of air it. And she's like, I think it's individual. Like some people try to suppress it, but it's probably, you know, it's really difficult to be monogamous. And I feel like that was the editors after the rumors, after Mm -hmm. Morgan Wade going through the footage and pulling this soundbite out for us. Yeah, the editors are really putting Kyle under a magnifying glass right now. And you can tell because every time she speaks, the music changes, the mood changes. It's kind of got this curious sort of like troublemaking tone. And honestly, I think if we extract these separation rumors and all of that, I don't think what she said was that like groundbreaking, you know, like it, it marriage is hard. Monogamy is hard. That's why a lot of people cheat. 
And that's why people say marriages work. So I don't think it's that crazy what she said, but within this context of, you know, is Kyle's marriage falling apart? Yes, it's interesting. And yes, they needed to give it to us. So thank you. It's kind of like the Scandaval effect, you know, like they go back and like, you know, bring things to the surface that maybe weren't a big deal before, right? Are now. So right. props to the editors. Yeah. And so then Garcelle says, if, you know, if, if your husband cheated one time, would you let it go or would that be enough to walk away? And, you know, Kyle kind of says, I, I don't know, which I think is an honest answer. I think it's like, yeah, of course it's going to depend on the situation, but there's just, you know, the Mo rumors come up about him cheating. We see some flashbacks to season 10 years ago when that was very much the focus. You know, LVP famously urged Brandy to bring those gossip magazines on the trip and they talked about Mauricio having an affair. So, you know, this stuff has been in the rumor mill for years now. And, you know, it seems like maybe there has been some truth to it. Well, what I took from it was that Kyle, you know, in her confessional, she was like, would I be okay with someone cheating and just sweep it under the rug? No. So I kind of thought that she was squashing the rumors in that moment. She wasn't mm -hmm. super like steadfast about it. Like she was kind of a, a little bit more blase, but I kind of took that to mean that she was just kind of squashing the rumors. I don't know. I, I don't know either. I think there's, it's so nuanced, right? And, you know, who knows? Maybe perhaps she has been in, unfaithful. I don't know. I'm not suggesting that, but I am saying, like, we just don't know. And so I feel like this whole conversation around it, maybe she's just kind of seeing it in a different light, you know, from a different perspective right now. Maybe they're on, like, this trial separation and they're not telling people that yet. So who knows? But then the, then the conversation shifts to money. And the question is, at what point do you have enough money where you or at, like, do you stop getting happier because of the amount of money you have? Have you reached it? And it's that, no, of course, like, no, haven't gotten there yet. Like no amount is ever going to, you know, stop making her happy. So then Erica kind of chimes in and she says, you know, I just don't want to be nervous about the bills. I want to have enough money to, you know, pay for everything and not have to think about it, not have anxiety about it. And, you know, she kind of talks about her past life. And yeah, there were some things that were really great. I could come to Vegas and just go in these designer stores and buy things. She's like, but now when I go to the store and I buy a bag, you know, I think, oh, that's mine. And it's really mine because I earned it and I paid for it with my money. And that just made me think of the John Hamm clip where he was talking about Erica Jane's earrings and he was saying they were never yours, honey. And I'm like, see, exactly. John was right. Those earrings were never yours. They were bought with, you know, stolen money by your husband. And so I don't know. She's kind of admitting that without admitting it. Um, but I just, you know, anytime I can relate back to John Hamm and Housewives, I'm, I'm going to do it. Oh, of course. But I have to say, I felt for Erica in this moment. You know, she's kind of coming around after her two past seasons of being a villain. Um, uh -huh. But it's extremely relatable to talk about how she is afraid about, she is afraid of affording things. She Is she ever going to own a home? She's basically saying she's living paycheck to paycheck, but at the same time, 
she has Mikey Minden and her whole, Mm -hmm. you know, crew of stylists in Vegas. Like, girl, that's a cost that you can cut. If Dorit can come without glam, you can too. So there there are definitely more costs that could be cut if she was really in a pinch. Um, Right. But I did find this relatable because going from the lifestyle that she lived to something like this, I think it will would be a culture shock for anybody. But I think she's handled it fairly well. You know, of course, she had her moments. And I know I'm going to get shit for this, guys. I know you're going to kill me for saying this. But I, I felt for Erica. I think it's relatable. We can all relate to money issues and being worried about, you know, do I have enough money? Am I going to do this? So I thought it was relatable. There was a lot this season about Erica kind of talking about how she feels like she finally doesn't have to be on the defense so much. And I think that's really important because these last two seasons, it was just like, Erica, get out of your own way. You are saying all the wrong things and doing all the wrong things. And now I think she's finally, you know, it's like the veil has lifted and she is finally seeing things with a little bit of clarity and is able to say, okay, you know, this is this is who I really want to be, not that person, you know, a year or two ago. Definitely. So after dinner, we see the ladies finally go to the country bar. I was like, was Skyfall the country bar? But anyway, they make their way to the country bar. There's a mechanical bull. Sutton has said she's going to ride it. She gets there, sees it, is like, I don't know about that. We see Kyle go first. Kyle kills it, even though she tells the guy, you know, to keep it slow, keep it slow. Then we see Sutton go, and she's really, really telling the guy, like, all right, you need to, like, keep it steady, keep it cool, sweet-talking him. And basically, she rides for, what, 12 seconds on, like, the easiest, slowest bull ride I've ever seen. And then she's like, stop. And so he just stops. I'm like, Sutton, that's not the way this works. This doesn't even count. You might as well have not even gotten on the bull in the first place. And I loved Erica's confessional. She basically said, if her bull riding skills are anything like her dick riding skills, no wonder she doesn't get a second date. And props to Erica on that one. She just needs to like loosen up. She is literally, she reminds me of a pair of overly starched pants that is just so pressed and so stiff that there's no give to it. And it's like, Sutton, girl, like just relax a little bit and just go with it. Like she sees that, well, she's immediately, you know, overthinking, overanalyzing and freaked out. And it's like, if you don't want to do it, then don't do it. No one is forcing you to do this. I I would almost rather her sit it out than to watch that because it was like, this is boring. Exactly. All right. So next morning they're packing up, they're leaving. They go to get on the elevator. The elevator doors open and who is in it? Davis, the magic mic dancer, and his partner who is Mikey, Erica's creative creative director. And I don't know why I put that in quotes, but I just think it's such a funny title that Erica has a creative director. And so immediately Erica is like, oh, Sutton, here's the dancers from the show. Here's your chance to apologize to them for saying the show was really shitty and for leaving. And so Sutton, you know, she's like, I I am sorry. It was, you know, it was an amazing show. It was just the spread eagle thing. That was just, it was just a little too much for me. And Erica keeps saying, you know, tell them you're sorry that you said the show was 
shitty. And she's like, I never said that. I don't put words in my mouth, Erica. I never said that. So she's trying to handle it in the moment. But when those doors close and those guys go bye-bye, Sutton is pissed. Yeah, no, they make their way to the Sprinter van and it all goes down. I mean, Sutton just breaks down. You know, she's like, I didn't like it, but I I didn't make a big deal. And Kyle's like, you were unhinged. You were completely over the tops. You were overreacting. Everybody's basically saying that she was on another level and it was inappropriate. And she's breaking down. She's like, I'm so sorry. I ruined it for everyone. But then the conversation shifts to being between Dorit and Garcelle now. Like, I feel like Dorit has inserted herself into this situation where she doesn't belong. She's like telling Garcelle that she should have handled the way she was talking to Sutton differently when she went and chased after her. But Mm -hmm. she has no idea what Garcelle said to Sutton. It was just so random and so weird. I feel like Dorit just, I think I said it last recap, like she was just, you know, she wasn't really making much drama in Vegas so she felt the need to insert herself into this situation and it just comes off inauthentic yeah it was definitely kind of confusing for me because I was like wait what is what is happening like I I didn't know what Dorit was getting at but I think she was you know it's like she wants to like fix it and she wants to talk about it (laughs) even after Sutton said I am done with this conversation Dorit was like so are you good are you, you know, you're good with all of this. And it's like, she just wants to keep talking. So, okay. Should we get back? We go back to Beverly Hills and Garcelle and Erica go to lunch and, you know, they kind of talk about the Sutton of it all. I think the most interesting thing there was that Garcelle said, maybe I need to let Sutton start picking her own battles and, you know, stop standing up for her so much. Um, So I'm interested to see, you know, how that plays out, but let's get to, the most important scene with Sutton and Kyle. So Sutton invites Kyle over for tea, but Kyle's the only one having tea. Sutton is having her signature cocktail vodka grapefruit, which I got to try, I think, you know, I'm- I know, it does kind of sound good. Sutton's, you know, signature drink. So she's like, nope, I'm having a cocktail. I've had a hard day. I'm having a cocktail. And props to Sutton. But, you know, I kind of- By the way, I- I do not think that was Sutton's first cocktail of the night. No, no, as we see later on. So they start talking about Vegas and, you know, Sutton, you know, says how it really wasn't the best departure for her. We get another impression of Erica. First, we have Dorit, the uh, I'm a showman, you know, (laughs) and now we have Sutton doing the impression of Erica at the elevator, which is just so iconic. I don't know if you have you know, a Sutton impression of Erica in you right now? A Sutton impression of Erica. Yes, it was very over the top. I would say Dorit's was much better. But here's here's Sutton doing Erica. Oh, here's the dancers from the show. Do you want to apologize? Perfect. Yes, that was it. Thank you. I loved it. And, you know, Kyle's basically trying to again, tell Sutton that she was being inappropriate. She was being over the top. She made a big deal about it. And, you know, Sutton's like, stop interrupting me. Like, stop talking. And it just turns into this battle. It gets very, very tense, very, very quick between them. Yeah. And so Sutton tells us in the confessional that 
she had this revelation that Kyle really is not her friend and Kyle is not going to have her back because she's not her true friend. So she's going into this sit down with that in mind. She's got this, you know, she's got this agenda and Kyle doesn't, she didn't get the memo, right? And so Sutton is like on the attack and Kyle is just confused and I would be too. And so, you know, Kyle starts trying to talk and Sutton's like, don't, don't do that. And basically, you know, Kyle is kind of just like, well, you have a habit of losing your shit and being ridiculous sometimes. And Sutton goes, oh, is that right? Name them. Name them. Name them. Over and over again. I was like, oh, my God, she's still saying it. She's still saying it. (laughs) I feel like it's the new clip, like, you know, definitely mentioned totally. it all, but it's giving clip. It's giving name them. Clip. And clip. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to do the same energy. You got to do the hand movement with it. Otherwise, it just doesn't hit the same. Name them. And so Kyle is like, it, it, she keeps, Kyle keeps trying to talk and Sutton just keeps saying name them. And Kyle's like, I will name them if you give me a second to freaking talk. And so... Kyle is just like, are are you okay? Like, what is happening right now? And that's why I think in this moment, I was like, there is no way that's her first cocktail. Oh, no, definitely not. And then Kyle names him because she starts listing off, of course, the iconic ugly leather pants moment, the Lake Tahoe moment where she threatens to leave and she has to pull out her roller to calm calm herself. (laughs) And then Magic Mike. So there weren't that many, but... There were a few instances. Oh, there's the roller. There's the roller. It's not purple, but it'll do. Sutton's roller. And, you know, Kyle basically ends it being like, you did not seem okay in Vegas and you do not seem okay now. And I just want to know, like, what's going on with Sutton? Is there something going on with Sutton? Because we don't really have a lot of background information. I mean, to us... You know, she's single. Of course, she's dating. She's not getting second dates. But other than that, what's wrong with Sutton's life? She's getting 300000 a month in alimony. And what could possibly be sending her over the edge like this? Like, we don't know. We really don't have any information to go off of. So I don't know. I hope we kind of dig deeper into what's really going on with Sutton because I kind of want to know what's behind these unhinged moments, but I also want more of them because (laughs) they're iconic. I mean, it's not about the pants. Name them. I mean, two weeks, two iconic lines that will go down in Bravo history. Props to Sutton. Yeah, I mean, this this season is certainly has a lot about Sutton and it seems like that always happens somehow. I think she's just so sensitive. And so it's like, she tries to not make a big deal of things, but by doing that, everything becomes a big deal. And it's like, I I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens, but I have a feeling that this is not the last of it. And I think we're going to continue to name them name them so we will be back next week to cover real houses of beverly hills 
Make sure you guys subscribe so you don't miss anything. You can also listen on Spotify and iTunes. And make sure you check out the Bravo Breaking News Etsy store. Some new holiday limited edition merch just dropped. You can get this adorable cropped Vanderpump University sweatshirt that I absolutely live in. So check it out. See you guys next time. Bye.